Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money for such. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Shouldn't go on top of my drink considering I'm supposed to be doing a little comp in the morning. You're sliding in the touch footy references even before we've started recording, which is a no. I think I think I've record? retired from touch football. There's a lot of effort to get fit and then have the comp rained out, sort of really. And whiskey is incredibly tasty. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. When I say this, I'm drinking gin, but so yeah. what? What? What are you competing in? Tomorrow? Oh, this is just the modern gym dance stuff. Or? The the yeah, modern dance. I, uh, there's there's few things I would suck at more than weights, but modern dance is probably one of them. I mean, combine the two. Just make that fucking the ribbon. Uh, you know, <laughs> made of lead. Barbell, and you'll be fine. A lead couple ribbon. of sacks of bricks, bags of cement. All good. Um, are we? Are we the? Um, the Jack no. Jumpers of podcasts, or the Oklahoma City Thunder of podcasts? Are we? <laughs> are we the New Zealand grind, grinding out of draw? We're the we're the Phoenix Women's Team of podcasts. We've been we've been pulled together at at very late notice from lower league talent, uh, and we're just going to try and play some murder ball and see if we can get away with it. That sounds good. Oh, well, this, that podcast Dobbs game didn't many and lots. Mm. Sons, keep winning. Eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Do you do you think we'll get the Golden State fuck you revenge game at home though? Sort of. I sort of feel like that's coming. Well, yeah, they'll play it. They'll play again before this. Probably before this post. Certainly before most people yeah. hear it. Even if we post tomorrow, because they're playing again Saturday A and Z time. Look, I don't know because the Suns have the capacity. They might be the one team that's uniquely qualified to stop the Warriors as currently constituted. Mm-hmm. Now, you fucking pointed out on the uh, pod account that the Warriors as constantly consti- currently constituted isn't necessarily the Warriors <laughs> the as Warriors, eventually yeah. constituted because there's a fairly large component to come back. But they shut. I mean, they they turned Steph into a situation where he played a indifferent to ordinary game. The, the, those, well, big that, def- those long defensive wings that, that the Suns seem to have plenty of, you Mikhail Bridges and company, that they did what they were that, supposed to do. That's why I thought of I thought of that OKC Dubs game where the OKC were doing that to to Golden State for three quarters, and then Steph just went. Uh, I mean, Clay just went. Ah, oh, actually, do you know what? It like. It doesn't really matter. I can just hit anything from anywhere. Was that the bang bang? Three game? points are more war than two. Yeah, that yeah. was the game that was no 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 game six in OKC where they were just oh, out the of finals. it, and then yeah, when Clay brought them back. Oh, that's yeah. right, because the, the uh, that was right when the when the uh, when OKC went out to a three one lead, and then uh, <laughs> the dub said, "Hold my beer. You've never seen anybody lose after being up three one before." Compared to us, and uh, proceeded to do it in the finals. And 
Oh, I I always think of that game because, and as you can tell, I can't well, even remember. Again, it. you're gonna love me uh, referring it back to touch. But we we had a game like that where we had there was two superstars, and we absolutely loaded up on one of the superstars and kept him quiet for three quarters of the game, and then in the last five minutes, the other guy just tore us to bits because we were you know basically concentrating all our defense on this one guy, and they just figured it out, and away he went, and we got our asses handed to us. Um, you know, it's real. It's really, really hard when there's two players that can shoot like that on the court together to, you know, keep both of them down the way they did Steph in that game. I guess, but it's fascinating because th- then on the flip side, Suns fans and I am one of them would say, "Well, Booker only played a half, so yeah, Booker, Booker was barely there at all." Yeah. But it's just, it, I don't know. It, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to, co- to say anything about it because we know they're going to play again literally tomorrow as we record this. And we know they're going to play again literally on fucking Christmas Day. So, w- yeah. yeah, this is good. Oh. This is It's really good to have games that actually matter before Christmas Day. But I don't know what it means. I mean, if you look at, I mean, uh, Goldsbury posted one of his efficiency landscape things on Insta the, this morning, I think it was. Before today's uh, today's games, much as today's games were a bit of a yawn, uh, and the Suns and the Warriors are comfortably the best two teams in the league, and that's all we know at this stage. Hmm. Well, the absolute best thing to come out of that game was that the LA versus LA battle got flexed off ESPN. Look, I I saw a promo for it. I saw a promo for it this afternoon. It might still be on uh, ESPN Australia New Zealand. So. But oh, right. he gives a fuck. It's Bathurst weekend, so no one's going to be watching mm. that except on a second screen. Um, the, the most interesting thing about um, Goldsbury's, it's the last 10 games efficiency landscape thing, is the is the fucking Timberwolves. Yeah. The, Timber, the Timberwolves. Yep. Timberwolves are not bad. They're the number six net team, like number five offense, the number 12, so the number five defense, the number 12 offense in the in the last 10 games. That is better than everybody. I was looking at the at the table today, right? Because you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were sort of looking at some early trends and going, "Well, you know, this is probably going to wash out." And some of the things we thought, like the Hawks and the Bucks moving back up into you know finals contention, uh, has happened. But then the Hawks have been the Hawks have been the number one offense over the last ten games. The Hawks are fine. The Bucks have been have won eight straight, so they're fine. And but some some things have sort of not uh, faded. Like the Bulls are still the second best team. The Wizards are still in that top three. The Cavs, even though they lost Mobley for a couple of weeks, are still yep. in the top six. They're still a, a um, net very positive. I mean, the number three defense in, in the in the league in the last two games. Like it, at some stage, it's going to get really hard for the Seventy Sixers to get to the fourth or fifth seed. Let alone back up into the one seed. They're just, they're just generally meh. Like they're not mm. a great offensive team, and they are, or oh, they're a terrible offensive team, and they are a dead flat defensive team. And it's yep. like I don't, it's unle- until or unless they get something for Ben Simmons, this is where they sit. They're going to sit middle of the pack. They're going to sit dead flat, and that's the end of that story. Yeah, and at what point does? Being in the playing game just make it too hard, you know. How much how much stress is it going to put on Embiid to have to play 
huge amounts of games um, away from home. He's just an asset. He doesn't matter to the front office. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I'll just, I'll just, he's like like Bernie Eccleston used to say, Formula One drivers in the 80s. They're like light bulbs. If one burns out, you just pull it out and plug it in a new one. That's the Daryl Morey school of front officing. So I guess the surprises in the West are, like we all thought the Warriors would be, what, Sixth or seventh, fifth. I picked them at Mate. six, and and I think I won't say a, it was a stretch, pick. but I don't think it was. I don't think yeah. anybody was gagging to pick them any higher than that. Um, but you know the the Timberwolves at eight, the Grizzlies at five. <laughs> uh, uh, Grizzlies um, played really well today too, so. uh, and there's a cluster of teams at the bottom. Weirdly enough, the uh, the Grizzlies' defense is appalling. <laughs> They're way down the bottom on defense. They're down with your your kings, your blazers, and your uh, and your nuggets. I, I've got to pour out some some for the nuggets. Losing yeah. MPJ for an extremely long while. Losing Dozier. Losing just about everyone. Yeah, st- t- not getting Jamal Murray back anytime soon. It's going to be Jokic and them boys for quite a while, I think. Yeah, like we said last week, Gordon Gordon's awesome as your fourth option, but. Don't expect him to be carrying that Michael Porter Jr. sort of role. Like that's not yeah. – he's never been that sort of player. And, man, I don't think anyone would want Porter Jr. and Murray to come back more than Gordon because they had, what, that five-game stretch where they had all four of them together and were like a fucking buzzsaw going through the league where Gordon could just be this, you know, dream on desk defensive guy and dunk, <laughs> just dunk, 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 dunk. And let you know, let everybody else do all the all the thinking for him. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel like that's that's a side I just I would like to see. I, I hope this is just a blip year. I hope next year we get both Porter Junior and Murray back. In a I mean, I hope this is just shape. a blip year on a whole lot of levels. But you know, given that we were hoping last year was just a blip year, I, I'm not mm. I'm not holding my fucking breath. Hey. Yeah, well, it's th- there's some. Sorry, folks, was that a bit too real? <laughs> there, there's just basketball some, podcast and all. Th- there's just some randomness that, uh, or some randomness. You say Houston like- have won four in a row. <laughs> Tell me about this randomness. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is going on? Okay, you, like if you said that the Bulls and the Wizards were in the top four of the Eastern Conference, I would have gone. Well, the, wiz- the Wizards are slipping a little bit. Um, Goldsbury's. Yeah, they're five and five. So yeah, but they're um, they're, they're sort of suboptimal in in offense and defense in the last ten. So I think in that five and five, they probably have got the what's the term they they like to use the Pythagorean expectation. Um, yep. of you know when you when you add up the for and against and that sort of stuff, I think they probably should be three and seven from that from that five and five. Uh, but you can only you can only five and five against the teams that you can five and five against. Yeah, and that, look, the Spurs did that thing for years where they would just like win those Tuesday night games. Yeah, where and that's where it feels like the heat of sort of the local cable channel slash NBA TV. Who give, who the fuck cares? Nobody's watching, kind of thing. Yeah. Having said that, Michelle Beadle is on the um is on the Spurs home games these days. Which is kind of cool because she she was always an excellent ESPN talent and then left ESPN because of some some unpleasantness that was probably creepy, uh, n- not on her behalf, uh, but she's uh, just just back doing uh, low key stuff and and displeasing herself, which is cool. So so where do we expect all the Raptors uh, players to end up other Fucking than Scotty hell. Barnes? 
Like, surely that that's... Well, well they're certainly not going to be able to trade any, mis- any for, for defense because, God, they're awful. They're, they're like the second worst defense in the entire fucking league, which is not Nick Nurse areas by any means. Um, yeah, because Messiah's always wanted to do that rebuild and the team's just never... Nick Nurse's and others have just never let the team get bad enough for him to pull the trigger on it. I, d- I don't think he really wants to do a rebuild at his age. I think he's quite happy with this kind of... I think what would... Messiah is, un- is uniquely good at is the mm. rebuild half the team on the fly and still be competitive. And I think he's finally, um, you know, he's finally recycled the kid litter a few too many times and now it just smells like piss. Yeah. Yeah, you get to that point, which the 76ers sort of are, you know, if you waste enough picks, if you waste enough trades. Like- you, well, the 76ers <laughs> don't value anybody they've picked or traded for, so... And I, I, I genuinely believe that's bled into every part of their their organisation to the point where why would you try extra hard for that franchise? Because they don't care um, about you. Someone said, you know, they traded Bridges for Madison County, that guy that's um out of the league and a sec and a second round pick. And he's like, does anyone know what that? other pick what became like did it become anything did they get anything for for bridges because bridges is fucking awesome um and everyone thought that was a bad trade in in time and that was the last you know that was the last uh Col- colangelo trade that was the last yeah. trade he, he made before he before he got before, you know, pushed out the door. He, before he got burned <laughs> by his wife's burners <laughs> <laughs> That's a tremendous way to get thrown out the paint. Although I did like the tweet today that uh, OKC okay, so got beaten by seventy, and someone said, "Must be time for the NBA to fucking airdrop a Colangelo into there." <laughs> oh, like they're pretty thin when you take out. Like, when you take out Josh play, Giddy, they lose Shea, by seventy. It's only facts. Shit. Shay, Giddy, and and Dort didn't play. It's like, well, they're the only NBA players that they've got, oh, and Favors. They they, they, yeah. they basically didn't have any of their NBA players. Dude, they, uh, their G League team would have beaten them today. Yeah, whatever their G League team's called, the fucking Red Ants or the fucking Omaha Bumfucks or whatever they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um. What else was there in the NBA? Oh, the, the Nets are just, like, a, again, are still the most- um, They're just rolling. They're the the worst team that just keeps rolling. Yeah. Like, they've won eight and, eight and two in their last ten, and everyone's like, oh, the Nets, the Nets just don't look that and good. And they should have got beaten by a-, a They should have got beaten by a Nets team that were, like, that are, like, 25th in offense. Mm. They, they were- the Knicks, they had the Knicks on toast, and the Knicks came back, and they only just bing-bonged over the top of them. Yeah, would have loved to have seen Pour the slide talk in NYC chat after that. I, I guess this is um, an extreme validation of OKC's front office because if they thought Kemba- I'm not super keen to validate that them because I'm, I'm not they, they give me strong fucking seventy uh, sixes <laughs> vibes. Uh no, I don't actually think so because like if you if you I don't know if you read that article with Kemba when he went there and they were like. Dude, we're not we're not playing you. We're, we're this is what we're going to do with you. But, I, I did I did um, hear a I did hear Canberra in a pod with Zach Lowe where he said, and it made me think because you had talked about some of the smack that Boston talked about Kemba on his way out in terms of his dedication mm. and his 
um, uh, focus on rehab and all that sort of stuff. And his comments yeah. about how focused OKC were on his rehab made me think, yeah. okay, Boston are just smearing the dude on his way out. And OKC are good at rebuilding players where they've got the interest. And even so, in this case, they thought, well, this guy's probably beyond it, we'll, but we'll still put the effort into trying to help him. Yeah. Because as you said on the pod account, if he had value left, they probably would have done a reclamation project job. Uh, Chris Paul stuff. Even for even for twenty games and got a second round, like they would have valued a second round pick more than. And the timing was bad because it was very late in the season yeah. and there, there wasn't really much you can do then. But you, you might have hung onto him. I don't know what OKC well, want to be this year apart from fucking awful. And fucking awful isn't any kind of way to run a basketball team. I'm just really off that after uh, all the years and years of of of, of and it's it's mostly the Sixers, but. That is not a pathway to anything. That's just a pathway to terribleness because you just have embedded institutional suck adhering to your fucking basketball franchise. Okay, well, here's here's the difference between them and the 76ers. They do have some veteran guys that they're actually playing on the floor. Like, they're playing Derek Favors. You know, they're playing Lou Dort. Those are actual proper NBA Lou Dort's like players. a third-year player. He's not a veteran. He's fourth. I think he's fourth year. He is not a veteran. We're not calling him a veteran. He's but, fucking 23 but, but he's a, if, he's any, if he's a day. But he's a, he's a solid NBA player, right? Like they're, they're oh, playing he's some a young solid- prospect. He's not a solid NBA. I mean, he's, he's performance is a solid NBA player, but he's not like mm. – you're not going to put a rookie under him and say, learn from this guy, because this guy's still fucking figuring it out. You know, it's, it's too early for him. But I feel that they're, they're like, Gideon, Gideon Shea are our, our guys, and then we're just going to throw a whole heap of young players to see who meshes with them. Like, what they're really looking for is a, is a Bridges, you know. They're, they're after that. If they looked in Madison County. Third, that third guy that can... Um, you know, try and try and be that defensive. Uh, you know, they're after a Bridges or a Clay. You know that that that's basically the unicorn of of good team building, right? Is that guy that doesn't necessarily have to be the man on offense, and but can still knock down a million threes and can defend like a madman, or can at least um, assist a million threes. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, I only raise you know, that name because nobody has spoken that name in at least three weeks in anywhere on the on the NBA basketball twitters. It's like like, it's like he just doesn't he just unexisted for the past fortnight. Um, so this is the thing, right? Bridges completely locked down the best defensive player on the other side and scored two points in a game, and everyone was raving about his game. And I'm like, yeah. Like literally, that's what Ben and yet Simmons. And ben, ben Simmons is is trash. Is fucking toilet. Yeah, is broken and 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 will never be a good player. And now, it's like- uh, admittedly, Ben Simmons mentally is a, at least a little bit broken, but he could give you that stat line tomorrow if he was, you know, if, if he was up to um, full game fitness. He could he could do that. You, he has done you, that. You can't tell me if you if you put him in the Bridges role and said. You all you have to do is be the best defender and dunk, and you know, run, run the fast break, and that's all you have to do. He wouldn't be a, a, a massive difference maker in the finals. Yeah. But stop trying to fucking turn him into Devin Booker, man. He's not Devin Booker. Well, like, th- and again, you come back to the idea that that he just needs to get the fuck out of this club. 
I don't think no matter yeah. what other solution he ends up in, it will be better than where he is because he won't have that expectation because that entire fan base and club and, and franchise and everything wanted – basically, every time they, they pulled one of these big picks, they expected LeBron James or fucking – or equivalent. They just expected, yeah. high pick, we're going to get a, a high-scoring superstar. Um, you don't get that every time. You get a different sort of player at the top of the draft every time. Look, if, if OKC think that Giddy and Shea are the Booker and Paul of, of the future, then they should absolutely burn a few. Like, they've got a million fucking picks. Burn a few picks and have a go at Simmons and put him in that third, fourth. I don't know if um, you saw that tweet. Did you see that tweet today that somebody said? He said, you know, the, the people I really feel sorry with OKC getting beaten by 70. Like, the people I feel really sorry for are uh, OKC's future second round picks who are probably in middle school and getting really heavily bullied over this scoreline. <laughs> well, that's, that's everybody, isn't it? Well, y- you know what? That second round pick that got traded to. Um got traded to the Sixers for Bridges. Guess who actually used that pick, that second-round pick? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Because, of course, all picks go to yes. the Oklahoma City it's Thunder natural, eventually. In, in, like, in, like, physics and chemistry in high school, they teach you about fucking ground states for electrons. The ground state for second-round picks is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm surprised. The picks that were fined off Miami and... Was it Chicago or, or Toronto? Whoever yeah. it was. Because the NBA decided no, to fine a, a second-round pick for alleged bullshit fucking tampering um, over the Kyle Lowry deal, it must have been. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if those second-round picks somehow end up in Sam Presti's back pocket because that seems to be the default state of a second-round pick. It belongs to Sam. It's got Sam's name written on it. He's, his mum has ironed his name into the fucking laundry tag. I just like how... The Miami Heat won't actually lose that pick for seven years. Yeah, that's when they've got that. I also like, their, I like their statement. I like their statement. It's like, it's like the NBA have made, a, have made a decision. We disagree. We're moving on. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. Well, Pat Riley. It was almost as good as the time. He literally just sent out a press release that said Danny H could go fuck himself. Love Pat Riley. Or words to that effect. But the thing is that they find better guys in the. G League and off the scrap heap and, yeah. you know, from from anywhere than most teams get with a second-round pick. So Yeah, second-round uh, picks are an inconvenience to them, which, which makes yeah. it – I mean, I don't know why. I guess the, the reason OKC have cornered the market in second-round picks is because they are uh, a uh, an, uh, an unmeasured competitive advantage because nobody else values them at any stage because the number of second-round picks who make the league and stick in the league, the majority is they don't. Yeah, I just like you know. I think second round picks are like fantasy points for <laughs> for Presty that he can trade for something bigger down the track. It's like, oh well, no, we're not going to trade it. Well, yeah, they're what like air miles. What, a, like- what, what about another two second round picks? They're, they're like that as rebate points you get in a credit card for making transactions. Yeah, here I've earned one hundred and fifty fucking random bullshit credits, oh. site credits, and three second round picks. Or, or chips in a poker game, you know, like where you've got yeah. more, you know, more coin, and they go all in. And it's like, well, I can, I've still got another nine second round picks I can throw on the table yeah. to take that superstar off your yeah. hands. Just into the uh, voucher at checkout. <laughs> uh, so Bathurst, hey, is yeah. it back down to two 
to two brands again, or is it just not brands at all? It's just team. It's names. been two brands for a while. Yeah, it's been two brands for a while, and, and really the brands. What I've noticed is that the actual car manufacturers have become less and less important, and it's about the the actual teams. teams and people yeah. barrack for the teams like their footy teams now, like your 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 Red Bulls and your Shell Dick Johnson Racings and and those sorts of things. The people support drivers and people support teams, and the red versus blue stuff has kind of faded a little bit. I mean, it's a bit tricky because um, now it's kind of blue versus blue because General Motors' primary color is blue, and so is Ford's. And and it's going to be Chevy versus Ford for the for the next generation, which begins twenty twenty three. I think was it's been pushed back a little bit by COVID. But they had a demo of the the twenty twenty three cars, and they look they look fucking sick, and they sound sick. So I think I think you know supercars are going to be fine. Will it, will it eventually? It, it's really, it's just entertainment. It's got no relevance to to road cars. They're, they're trying to sell Ford Rangers and Chevy Sil- Silverados. It's purely brand allegiance stuff. So. The fact yeah. that they're racing Camaros and Mustangs is, is just is just to uh, entertain the uh, the masses while uh, we watch the world mm. burn and wait for everything to die. Fairly carbon neutral fuel though, because it's a E eighty five. Oh really? <laughs> well, environmentally friendly. Ding. Will it eventually become electric? Do you think? Why? How far off it is b- b- before? Well, the thing is that what we've proven is that electric racing is boring as shit, and no one wants to watch it. Uh, uh, just because it's a nice sound. And they haven't electrified a horse yet, and people still want to watch them. Around, so. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of the, that's, that's kind of my thought on the process, is that it will exist as a – I mean, classic cars will always exist, even if most people yeah, have an electric yeah. car or most people use an electrified solution as a like a bus or a train or whatever to get to work. For entertainment mobility, um, it, will, it will not be electrified. It'll still be – um, horses and hydrocarbon-powered devices. You know, people have, will have, still have their old, um, their old classic cars that they'll convert to run on some kind of biofuel. Because biofuel is, they can make biofuel for not a lot more than what we pay at the pump these days, and that's probably going so to be the salvage for a lot of the specialist stuff. It, it'll be straight out of the hot chip uh, basket into the. Into, I think it's more likely road, to be synthetic. It's it's more likely to be ethanol. Um, oh, I mean, okay. as I say, E80, I mean, the, the V8 supercars have been running E85 for 10 years, which is 85% mm. ethanol, and the rest is miscellaneous hydrocarbons. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be sugar cane or something yeah. like that. It, it's, corn. It, it's, it's doable. Yeah, uh, high fructose uh, corn syrup, all that, that shit the Americans make. It's an excellent solution mm. for it. Um, indie cars have been running on pure ethanol for <laughs> fucking so, so, twenty or thirty so straight, years now. Straight out of straight out of the post mix machine instead of straight out of the yes. um, straight out of <laughs> Cornton crazy motherfucker called yeah, supercars. Yeah. Um, so it's not that's not I mean, but that was that's never the the problem with the carbon footprint of any sporting series, whether it's a racing series or not. The, the biggest issue with the carbon footprint is the mobility for the people. It's flying people around. It's driving around, you know, driving semi-trailers around. And that's always yeah. that's why a Super Bowl has a much greater carbon footprint than a Formula One race because the, the carbon footprint of the actual Formula One cars is minuscule compared to the carbon footprint of everybody who paid to turn up and watch. Mm. Yeah, yep, that's true. Anyway, that's me defending my sport. Cricket. Your uh, adopted home team did pretty good this week. The greatest ever draw. 
Apart from the other ones. Yeah, it was a decent it was a decent draw. I mean, it's a bit hard to judge this series uh, in India because both teams are missing a bunch of dudes. Uh, this is not a series that either of them really wants to play. It doesn't really have the sting of the great Indian revenge for losing the World Test Championship because I'm pretty sure that they've, you know, China state media style, they've just deleted all mention of the World Test Championship ever happening <laughs> in Indian press. It's a bit like that poor Peng Shui who's... Uh, uh. I don't even think we want to talk about that because that's not funny in any way, but um, fuck everyone yeah, responsible. Other than, other than w- w- the women's arm of a sport being much better than the men's arm of a sport. Uh, once and again. both of them being much better than the Olympics. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, well, what what I was interested in was more that it was the best, like easily the best two test sides in the world at the moment. And uh, it's and a two-game series. <laughs> Two game series, which I uh, guess is- New Zealand don't have any spinners that are worth shit, and given that they they played appallingly badly, I mean, uh, New Zealand's quicks took all the wickets. Then again, Cole yeah. Jamison would take wickets on any kind of deck. He'd take he'd take wickets on your on the road outside your house. He'd take wickets on, on a, some rolled dog turds. You know, he's just a monster yeah. because he just has ridiculous pace and ridiculous height. I mean, his his nickname in New Zealand cricketing circles is Gulliver because he's like. Whenever they photograph him next to somebody else in the lineup for the singing the anthems, he always looks like Gulliver from the particular chapter of Gulliver's Travels where he's bigger than everyone. Um, I only yeah. I, I only learned recently that there were like four chapters of Gulliver's Travels, and he was only much bigger than everyone else for for one of those. Shouts oh, to right. uh, shouts to Top Flight Time Machine who did a deep dive on Gulliver's Travels. And pointed all this out, and basically all the other chapters of Gulliver's Travels are even more fucking insane than that. Um, I think New Zealand will just go. Oh, fuck it, let's just pick the extra fast. Po- you know, we've got like a million good fast bowlers. Yeah. Let's just pick one of them and and. Oh, they know, should have picked Neil Wagner instead of Will Somerville, or or yeah, they absolutely should have picked Neil Wagner. Neil Wagner's another ex South African guy, but he's played for for uh, Otago for a lot of years, and he just Merv Hughes style. He just bullies wickets out of people. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not that tall. He's he's annoyingly quick, but what he is is just per, he's just permanent snarl. He's just pit bull snarl the whole fucking way, and he just bullies wickets out of people that that you know his talent doesn't necessarily deserve. And I really respect the shit out of that because that's not necessarily a New Zealand trait. Um, but and then the, the ironical thing was that those spinners were. You know the ones that sort of save them the match. Yeah, yeah <laughs> with they the did something. So blocked out yeah. half a day at the, at the other end. But uh, yeah, yeah, some shocking no, fucking don't, uh, I, umpiring decisions there as well. But uh, yeah, New Zealand got away with it. I, I just, I just found it interesting how I was much more invested in interested in that game than who was going to become Australia's next wicketkeeper or captain. Though I am. Very happy that a bowler is the captain. Uh, yeah, I do not have much faith that that will last very long, but I'm ha- I'm happy they're giving him a go. Well, Ian Chapel isn't the chairman of selector, so he's got a fair chance. Hmm. That's true. Alex Carey's going to be keeper, yeah. Uh yeah, it looks like it. That's they sent good. they sent the other guy home. So is Benny Wade back, in the squad? The, he's, um, he's not he's not been brought in, in as a batsman or as a wicket keeping cover. No, no. 
I think it was uh, Inglis was the other guy that they were thinking yeah, about. Yeah, Inglis was. I think Inglis is English born, isn't he? English born and comes from the uh, independence country of Western Australia. So. Oh well, he can fuck off home. He should probably end up playing for South Africa. Uh, I don't. I don't know <laughs> how they. How they managed to um, how they managed to get him across the border? I signed up to the ABC Sport newsletter, and the writer of that has a habit of calling WA the big state, capital B capitalist. Right? Does anybody refer to to Western Australia as the I've big state? Never heard it. Never heard it that before. Maybe it's an AFL thing. I don't know where this comes from. The big state about the shit country because it's its own shit country, mostly empty. It's basically Texas on steroids. Yeah, there's a lot of space between before you get over there. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of space between the ears, and most people live out live there as well. And they're, they're going to be even more right. close to business. What all? Shall we? Uh, shall if you're we? In WA, go fuck yourself. Shall we wind this up before we <laughs> before we, we lose all of our WA listeners? Well. They haven't invented the internet there yet. <laughs> it's still last Tuesday in WA. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, all right, Doc. Let's come back and talk some tunes. Why not? Cheers, folks. See ya. Why did we just do off the WA? I've got no idea what the fuck we're doing.